So it's not selfish for you to go out and pursue leads, but you're giving value in advance by saying, hey, I'm not only can do your marketing for you, but here's a podcast that you could share. And since you're on the podcast, that adds credibility to your business and your profession and your career. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Mark. And I don't want to be that doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a little bit of a wake-up call for you. Because we've been talking a lot lately about how the whole iOS thing has some advertisers flying blind. And when you sprinkle on some rising ad costs and supply chain issues, we've got a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. The bad news is that a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. But the good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out of this even stronger. So that's why it's important to focus on what you can control. Sign up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, test. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you need to be focused on to the cutting-edge tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Andrew Bonds, the owner and host of Resisting Beta, the Men's Health Podcast, and Resisting Beta Consulting. Welcome, Andrew. Great to be here, Mark. Good to see you at TNC, too. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I know we tried to do the Lightning Podcast, and that was, oh man, so many podcasts, and we didn't quite get the audio on yours. So I figured we could do it for do the real podcast this time. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, today we're talking about basically how you started your podcast, why you started your podcast, and how your podcast has kind of led into growing your business. Yeah, for sure. So I had owned an agency before, and the worst part of it was the outbound sales aspect of it. And you're always networking and trying to, or cold calling or just reaching out cold to people. And I just didn't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I heard another one of the certified partners mention that he uses the podcast as a way to get his ideal clients on in front of them. And people are typically say yes to a podcast and I had started a podcast when I was a marketing director in my previous role and found out that it's pretty easy just from a one email or a contact form to get them on your calendar. So it was something that I was a little bit scared to tackle because it was new and I had, didn't have a ton of experience with it. And it's it's worked out really well. So That's awesome. Well, and I think when you have a topic like yours, it makes it easy to connect with people. And everybody wants to talk about it because it's something that nobody talks about. And for some reason, it's doing the podcast actually makes these conversations easier. Yeah, I can't really explain psychologically. We should probably have a (laughs) psychologist on it and be like, here's why everybody likes doing this. But I think between your target market and I think it was Jay Vix that was the one that that probably suggested that another one of our certified partners and how it fits into the CVJ. Because I know we talk about the customer value journey and you have awareness, which is actually just having the podcast, but the engagement, that's the step you're talking about for inviting prospective clients onto the show and then saying, hey, let's just talk about your issue and then you can always follow it up. So let's talk about that. How do you actually approach a potential client with coming on the show? And then how do you kind of transition into Oh, yeah. And by the way, I can help you. Yeah. So how it all started is I'm a member of several Facebook groups that are in my topic of men's and mental uh, sexual or spiritual health. 
And I just created a post. It's like, hey, are there any experts in here <laughs> that would want to be on my podcast? So that was my first. I got my first, I think, eight or 10 guests that way. Wow. And then I just started doing some cold email outreach contact form stuff for more people. And I'd reach out on Instagram or TikTok. I'd see people and I'd shoot them a quick message. And if they had a good story, I'd invite them on. And it was a relatively simple onboarding experience. I just created a quick calendar, Calendly link, and off to the races we went. That's awesome. So did you pitch a subject to them or was it kind of like the experts that they come up with the subject or how did you guide that process? The, one of the benefits of being in a niche, the subject matter takes care of itself. They're either an expert in health, physical health, mental health, or spiritual health. A lot of times it was just kind of took care of itself that way. Uh, I had a few authors where I'd read a, a part of, or I'd read their whole book, or I'd, I'd Google their name and find them on other podcasts and come up with the subject matter afterwards somewhat. So I'd come up with some preemptory questions of, okay, here's my questions on the topic. And then it would help guide the conversation. But it's a very conversational podcast. We get to some topics that just aren't talked about a lot, like men's sexual health and mental health and spiritual stuff. So it's the topic itself wasn't a super complicated thing to come up with. That's good. So do you use it from a podcasting production standpoint? So for those of you who haven't run a podcast before, there's a few typical formats. You have the solo podcast, which is basically a rant by the host or whoever you want. And then an interview podcast is really the two uh, key forms. And for the interviews, like for this interview, like I didn't plan questions. I just knew about you. We spoke a little bit before, and then I just have a conversation. So for me, I think that's more natural. But do you? Mm-hmm. What's your process? Do you list the questions and say it to them, and go from there, or how do you work it? Yeah. So I just in the Calendly form, I have them list out like, "Hey, is there something you want to promote? You want to talk about specifically in the subject?" So I'll let that guide where I lead the discussion. I have some curiosity questions I have written down if the conversation gets off the rails a little bit or if we hit a point where because sometimes like in a conversation it, it flows really well right you're having a great dialogue and you could talk for hours and sometimes the guests are a little bit more challenging than that <laughs> um, yeah so having a few questions in my back pocket on where i'd like to take it is like my backup plan but usually it's mostly conversational and then i found that if i when I ran my podcast before in my previous role as marketing director at a media company, I had all these questions written out and it felt really rigid. And I felt mm-hmm. like I was controlling the conversation, which felt clunky. But when I made it more conversational and I just listened more and helped my listening to what they're saying, guide the conversation, flowed a lot better. So. Yeah, that, that's actually my experience too. Because I think, no, I never planned any of these out at any point. <laughs> but some people do that. I've been on podcasts where people obviously are reading a list of questions. And I don't mind it most of the time. But yeah, I think just the conversation. I think that's what the power of this type of content is that it doesn't feel structured and it doesn't feel unnatural or scripted or anything like that because it's just two people talking about stuff. And how I usually do it is once I see somebody like, oh, okay, they're really passionate about this one topic, then I'll just go further into that and problem solved. I think that it's really interesting to where how often are you going to get an hour or so to be really authentic with somebody and have a deep conversation about the particular topic you're talking about. So after a whole hour with these people, I'm sharing stories about my own personal struggles. I'm being very transparent, probably 
TMI to some people, but I do that too. It's okay. (laughs) But I share everything. I'm an open book and kind of share my journey. And that's how sharing my authentic self to the guests. And then they reciprocate. And by the end, the goal of marketing is to develop the know, like, and trust. By the end, we're we are almost friends at that point where I have their cell phone numbers and that kind of stuff. So the ask afterwards, if it makes sense, if they're the if they're a client that I would want to work with, then I ask. If they're not, then we just create a great podcast episode and maybe I'll have a product or service offering for them down the road. But I can only work with a handful of consulting clients at a time anyway. So I can be pretty selective this way, which positions me as an authority. It positions me in a different way than a traditional sales conversation or relationship might. Oh, I love that. And so essentially you're qualifying each other to see if it will work. And if you're if you can't have a good conversation, then they're probably not a good client or potential client. So then you just skip that part and nobody's out anything. Actually everybody Yeah, yeah I mean each podcast I st- before I hit record, I'm like, hey, what's what are you trying to work on in your business? What are you excited about? Where are you going? I'd love to learn a little bit more. And sometimes people are like, you know what? I'm not growing. I just want to stay where I'm at. And other times we're on fire, we're moving and shaking. So it just, it's more conversational, but it helps me position where I want to take them forward. And then I have some, the follow-up videos that I've had created, I can share with them like, Hey, what is the, because we're on a mission to cut male suicide in half by 2032 by creating impact X scale. And I created a video on what impact X scale means and talking about our 90-day double-year sales business growth accelerator and uh, sharing a little bit more about how those two, how the podcast fits in with that and how the Impact Scale system works too. So I love that. But it's it just feels natural at that point versus a cold sales approach where they don't know anything about you. You've never had a conversation other than the project and now you don't really know how it's going to go. So love the cross qualification happening. Now the transition from, okay, you've qualified somebody, you get along with them, their industry is a good fit and they need help. How do you, what's your follow-up with that? Usually it's at the end of the podcast, I stop record. I'm like, Hey, I'm on a mission to cut the male suicide in half by 2032. We talked about that. And then there's two ways I do that. One of them is through the podcast. And the second way is by helping companies in the men's health niche solve sales and marketing problems. I have two decades of sales and marketing experience and consider myself in the top 1% of marketers out there based on the amount of energy and effort I've put into it. So I'd love to talk more if that's something you want to further conversation have or have a conversation around that. And all the time they're like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds awesome. And sometimes they'll start asking questions of like tactics and those sort of things. And I'll use Ryan's line of I, I'd rather I don't want to prescribe without diagnosis. So because mm. that would be Love malpractice. That. And when people start going too far down the rabbit hole of, you know, can you take a look at my YouTube channel and see this and that and all those things? And it keeps me away from my tactical shiny object brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's always tempting, especially when somebody's like, Oh, I don't need any of the other stuff you're talking about. I only need this thing. And you're like, that's your opinion. <laughs> which is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because business owners, they are so distracted by tactics and they are reluctant to talk strategy. And I just found after working with so many business owners that they really don't know what they don't know and that they're led by tactical salespeople. Yeah. 
or other business owners are like, oh, I just did this and then I made a zillion dollars. And it's always tempting when you're like, no, I heard TikTok's the thing. Gotta get on TikTok. And you're like, eh, your space isn't good for that. And it's going to do nothing. And you'll waste a lot of time. They don't want to hear that. But right. I think when you go, and that's why you, you say the prescription or the a diagnosis is what they need to get. Because if, before that, it's like, I don't know anything about your business. How can I even talk to you about marketing if I don't know what you're doing currently? So I think that's excellent approach. Yeah. And I think that like the, where I used to spend so much time in the tactical world and kind of think everything will be solved by one particular tactic. But after the number of hours and years I've invested into it, it seems that most people are really excited about awareness side of things like the getting their name out there, advertising and things, but they suck at everything after that. So walking them through the CBJ and being able to show that, okay, well, maybe you need to do less marketing. (laughs) Maybe we did. Because I found that most business owners love hunt in the chase of sales. They like the going out and getting that kill. But many times that once they actually get the the customer, they're doing enough to add more value, improve their offer and those sort of things. So I think that's what I'm super passionate about is the everything that happens after the sale. Because I think that's where a lot of people neglect because they want that next person. Yeah, that's uh, that's tempting too. Where, oh, the new business will be so much better instead of, no, not necessarily. And that might not even be what you need. And I think what really happens when you start talking about like big marketing numbers, oh, I want to spend five ten thousand $10,000 a month on ads, as it's like, do you even, can you handle that influx of business? If you, best case scenario, you got 50 more clients tomorrow, like what would that do to your business currently? And then mm-hmm. they'll say, handle that many new customers. And you're like, okay, then that's not something we should be talking about at this point. <laughs> yeah, I have a current client and he's just spending a ton of time on, on marketing and creating content and content creators. And that's who I work with is content creators in the men's health niche. And he's really good at it. But when I ask him like, hey, w- when do you ask for referrals? <laughs> this, I hate asking for referrals. It's like, okay, let's, uh, let's look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and all of the messaging. And I think that is is where a lot of people just drop the ball and they get lazy in some of the middle stages of the customer value journey. And I love pointing that out and helping that optimization side of things. That's where my brain lives. I love the data and split testing and Mm. Trying all that Analytics uh, nerdy stuff that Rondo talks a lot about. Justin Rondo, what's, his company is uh, Invisible PPC. Invisible PPC, that was it. I always think of Ninja or something. It kind of the same thing. Anyways, you know, it, it just provides so much value to the people that you're talking to, too. So it's not just this, it's not selfish for you to go out and pursue leads, but you're giving value in advance by saying, hey, I'm not only can do your marketing for you, but here's a podcast that you could share. And since you're on the podcast, that adds credibility to your business and your profession and your career. Plus, I get content and we might work together and find out if we actually jive. So I think all around it, it's super helpful. Yeah. And I'll go back and I'll share to one of the guests like, hey, the short form video that I created from episode generated 6,500 views and just right out of the gate. And I'm just getting going with this. So eventually that number will be significantly larger. And with that, I can continue to increase the value I'm paid for the effort that I'm doing too. But it was, it's been a 
interesting battle with my own imposter syndrome and all that stuff that goes on in your head throughout the whole journey. There's been a lot of times when you're not 100% confident and uh, do I really want to do that? But it's been one of the best things that I've done. And I'm super proud of it, the impact that that I'm going to have with it. I think you're doing a great job. And the message, your mission's awesome, decreasing suicide rates in men by, was it? 2032. Yeah. 32, that was it. Yeah. If you're still using legacy cloud storage like Dropbox or Google Drive or expensive, unintuitive digital asset management tools to store your images and videos, listen up. While those are fine for teams who just need to store docs and sheets, they are terribly inefficient for marketing teams needing to organize, share, and collaborate on visual assets. Air's intuitive UI is purpose-built for visual assets. Automatic content tagging and powerful filters mean you don't even have to remember folder or file names. As long as you know what's in an image, you can find it in seconds. Modern marketing teams, including those at Google, Sweetgreen, The Infatuation, and Pattern have saved up to 10 hours per person per week by switching to Air. Air is the leading platform for marketing teams to manage and automate their creative operations. Learn more at air.inc slash digital marketer. That's A-I-R dot I-N-C slash digital marketer. 10 years. That's 10 years. That's fantastic. I, I think podcasting is for every industry, but specifically your industry and specifically your message. It's perfect. And we all know that 95% of people aren't ready to buy right now. So you got to give them something to get interested in the meantime until they are ready. And then yeah, I just created a Facebook group strategy where I'm going to start monetizing that content and create a paid group on Facebook. And it'll also be an opportunity where I can create little micro challenges on Facebook and bring the guests back in and maybe charge that as a service to have them run these challenges for a cost or investment or just continuing to add value that way, building an email list with it to joining, building that up. So I, I bought a, I joined a membership called the pod hacker membership. And mm. it's this course on how to monetize your podcast in several different ways. So it's been a huge help for me uh, from the guys who had started the hustle and flowchart podcast. So oh, cool. Yeah, that's the neat part too, is that you could you have so many resources to look at. Oh, here's a popular podcast that's targeting my target market and just look at what they're talking about and then start to incorporate it. But I think I think it's an excellent strategy and I think you'll be really successful with it. Yeah, I think eventually the the revenue I get from it will it'll be just a small amount from the consulting side of things and I'll have some of the affiliate stuff and membership stuff and all those different components that aren't as a little bit more residual. Yeah, oh yeah. That's really where the real benefit comes in. But the content production side that you were saying about splintering the content into all the social media channels. And since the podcast is, I like it because you schedule people. So it's not like you have to be really on, like okay, I'm going to get five podcasts done today because you you have a meeting. <laughs> so it's planned out. Don't have to think about making the content. You're making the content anyways. Then you figure out how to splinter it. And then you're happy and you got your content up. And yeah. And, and then I can transcribe it and turn it into written content and all these different things. So I'm not a strong writer. I, I never have been. My, my grammar skills are pretty terrible. I actually lost, I lost a job when I was 10 years ago because I wasn't a great technical writer. I'm just never going to be a the grammar. Skill. 
I'm never going to be the grammar police, man. I'm just not going to be there. But the creative writing and those components really enjoy. Focusing on video and audio content, which I feel very confident in, is doubling down on my strengths and being okay not being a writer. But I can take this content and then outsource it or hire somebody to take notes and turn it into long form with, I don't even have to write it, you know? That's fantastic. Now, for other agencies that are thinking about maybe they could do a podcast to increase their leads, do you have some key tips that they could take away from this to to take the next step? I think the number one tip is the niche down. I owned a jack of all agency for five years, and I would work with local service-based businesses, which meant a lot to me because I like the small business and that kind of stuff. But the fact that now I have niched down I, I believe I'm going to cut three to five years off of where I want to get to, but because it, it focuses me, number one, and two, it's focused for the people I'm talking to. So I think that wherever that is in your business, like really explore that niche and make a decision because I think that was the hardest part, but I didn't want to make that mistake again. And it's for me, it means a lot because mental health is super important to me and it's been a huge struggle in my life. And I can see the ripple effect that when I when this problem when I can make an impact on this problem, if I can change the life of one man, I can change his family. If I can change his family, I can change his community. And if I can change his community, I can change the world. And I think that's super important to me in attaching that mission-driven marketing to this whole thing where it's not all about just making money. The mission far exceeds the money component for me. Well, I think you have all the key components you need to have a good podcast and just make good content in general. You're passionate about it. You found your niche and you know how to connect with your customer avatar. And so mm-hmm. covering all the bases, I think you're going to do a great job, assuming you keep doing it often, which is really <laughs> the last key to making a podcast work is not just doing it once. Doing it Yes. <laughs> Consistency is important in all things that are worth doing, especially when you get past the honeymoon phase and as you start getting the grind into it. So I think that like another piece of advice I would give is just to start and try it out. You know, you don't need to marry it. You can just date it. So that that was one thing that I have tried in the past where I'm like, oh, I have to commit to that. And if you take that mindset from a long-term standpoint, it could be overwhelming. But I think as you get older too, things are overwhelming because they're new and you've never done them before and you may not be good at it. So I think that for me, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. It's, it is my content of choice. So it was the right it was the right fit for me, but it might not be the right fit for everybody. But I think that it was out, taking action towards something outside your comfort zone is always a good thing to try out. Well, I, I love you know the saying that the best content you're going to make is the content that you're going to make <laughs> because if you hate podcasts and you hate podcasts and you Joe, I'm going to make a podcast not going to work. It's You're not going to do it very often, or even if you do it, it you're going to resent it and there's nothing good there. So try it. See if you like it. Don't go crazy on spending 5000 bucks setting up a channel. Just throw a couple up and chances are people will be surprised by the results because when you post, hey, I put up my first episode, you'll get blown up. People will typically love it. Or maybe they won't and your target market is completely wrong and you shouldn't be doing it. And <laughs> either way, great. You figured something out. Yeah. And I, th- I think when you start out, you have a choice to do I want to create a podcast that's going to attract, but my ideal audience would listen to, or do I want to create a podcast that my client's ideal audience will listen to? And 
I chose the latter because I think it makes the most sense towards I'm just adding value that way. Like I am helping connect my ideal client to their ideal client. And the only way I could do that is by choosing a niche. Yeah. No, and I think that's definitely the top tip. And you'll, if you listen to the podcast, I talk about niches all the time where I'm just like, why wouldn't you do that? But I know why people don't want to do it. It's scary. If you choose wrong, that's usually the excuse people have, but choose a niche, try doing a podcast. And if that works out, do a lot of them for a while and you'll see the benefit and you'll see the ROI soon enough. Yeah. And anyway, I think Mike and all in, it was a pretty inexpensive yeah. start. A couple hundred so, bucks, you're good to go. Yeah. And you just got to figure out where to host it. And after that, it's not so scary. No. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about your podcast and your consulting practice? So right now we're just resisting beta everywhere. So resisting beta on TikTok, Instagram, by the time this episode's out, our website will be up and running. So you can find us on there. So if you type in resisting beta in any of your social platforms or into Google, you'll be able to find me, connect on LinkedIn if you want to network a little bit. Excellent. Well, I'm sure everybody will reach out, connect. And if you do have a men's health related product line, company, nonprofit, definitely connect with resisting beta. And get on that podcast. It's gonna it's gonna blow up to a million downloads a month soon enough. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. And again, Andrew's actually a certified partner as well. So you can find him on the digitalmarketer.com certified partner directory, or you could go to his listings and make sure to subscribe to his podcast. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.